Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. And welcome to the wisest fans in hockey, Bruce. People who uh, listen to the Cult of Hockey, read the Cult of Hockey, great bunch. And Bruce, they I think they are a very happy, but the faithful are in full voice, Bruce, and they're singing Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Ken Holland today. I don't think that's a, uh, an underestimate of the underestimate of the mood in uh, Edmonton. It seemed, you know, from the Twitter reaction, even his harshest, even the harshest critics of Oilers management were generally speaking, finding something good to say about the Milan Lucic for James Neal trade. So, um, and I have to say, Bruce, you know, I had been expecting it to happen, actually. Um, I had done a post earlier this year where I predicted this would happen because I just saw that Lucic had more value than he was being given credit for, that he had about 2 to $3 million a year in value, um, at least on a one-year deal, kind of like a Ryan Reeves deal. And, mm-hmm. and over time, he probably had, like, no one was going to give him another four-year deal, but he had, like, he had about $10 million in value, I, I thought, still. Um, maybe not that much, maybe more like eight, maybe $2 million over four years at, at the very most optimistically. But I thought he had some value, but not so much to the Oilers because the Oilers had tough players. They had lots of slow players and they need, they desperately, honestly, they needed to move Lucic Bruce because he's so slow and the Oilers were way too slow last year and they couldn't have him anchoring that fourth or third or second line again and slowing everybody down. It would have been a night, another nightmare season with that going on. Cause they already have Jujar Kyra who's slow and uh, it kind of playing that same role. And they have a few other slow players. So great to see them make this move from my point of view. I thought it was going to happen. And then yesterday, all of a sudden I thought, what? It didn't happen. Um, you know, mm-hmm. our own Kurt Levins have reported this. The 17th was the big day. Cause that's when Lucic bonus was going to be paid in there. That had been contested by some other media people, but it turns out I think that Kurt was right about that. And um, we see the trade today. So what's your reaction? Well, the timing sure doesn't seem to be a coincidence, does it? I mean, no, that, stop date, yeah. that date of July 17th has been floating around. I'm not sure if Kurt was the first, but he certainly put it out there uh, back on July 7th. That the, you know, the July 1st that had been previously discussed wasn't necessarily the be-all and end-all. Lo and behold, here we are on July 19th, two days after that, uh, uh, and the trade gets made. So, you know, that common sense suggests there must have been something to it. Uh, my reaction to the trade was uh, I got a phone call from you with the news, and, I, and uh, I came rushing into the office, and the very first thing that happened was a brilliant bolt of lightning and an instantaneous huge clap of thunder right over my head <laughs> and down came the rain and the hail and i thought oh my goodness it really has happened hasn't it you mean there was really a storm outside <laughs> your uh, outside your house about literally that? literally yeah <laughs> kaboom very loud thunder ken and hail. ken holland brought the thunder bruce he brought yeah. the thunder today or well, ken a- thor holland Mm-hmm. Or who is well, the yeah. Is it Thor? No, is that uh, Thor? I actually, yeah, I believe so. Okay, I think so. It's not and Thursday we're... though. Anyway, the deal the deal is apparently <laughs> apparently done, but there's some details that, of course, we're all anxious to hear yes. in terms of potential uh, uh, cap retention, uh, which is a big deal on the competitive front, and also potentially some kind of conditional draft pick. With both of those things 
details are rumored to be favoring the flames when they do happen. Now, the flames are already in kind of an advantageous position from a straight cash perspective because the orders have already paid 26 million now, including that bonus of the 42 million that was in the contract. So they've only got three of the seven years, but they've already paid well over half of the full value of the contract. Whereas Neil's deal, the real deal of James Neal is uh, uh, a straight 5.75 million every year, no bonuses, no uh, top loading, bottom loading, any of that stuff. So he still has 23 million due for the same four years. So uh, Daryl Cates has taken a hit financially and uh, in theory, and who knows how much of that trickles on down to the fans, but the fans were uh, uh, pretty strong in their opinions that uh, something needed to be done. And miraculously, almost it seems something, uh, something has been done and uh, so and Bruce has been moved. Um, did I say that Elliot Friedman was reporting that uh, he had heard early, earlier this week that the, the retention of the owners are going to have to retain 10% of Lucic's salary. Now he said he wasn't sure on that and it might have changed, right. but he, he didn't think it, 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 I wonder if the deal would have been gone ahead if the owners had to retain a lot more than that. I think 10%, I mean, Luch, uh, Neil's paid a little bit less, $250,000 oh. a year, right? Less than, than, um, mm-hmm. than Lucic. So um, you had to, even that out somehow. So this doesn't, that doesn't sound terrible to me. And the great thing is there's a couple of great things here. They're out from under the no movement yes. clause of Lucic Bruce. So the whole Seattle expansion thing that the horror show that might've occurred if they had to protect Lucic. And I don't think that was ever going to happen. I think they would have figured out a way to do it eventually, but the best case scenario was going to have an elegant way where the poison pill isn't that big. And I, and th- this is the sense I'm getting that the poison pill isn't that big here because Neil as a player um, and you know, and you, and you dug into this into your post, he, mm-hmm. he had one bad year, but he's coming off 20 straight goal, 20, ten, ten, straight. 10 straight, 20 goal years. Yeah. Um, and he had a bad year last year, but he, he only shot 5%. Now a low shooting percentage, like Lucic in the last two years, Bruce, mm-hmm. a low shooting percentage can mean a, a player just lost his touch, lost his hands. He can't score anymore. I think. And I think that's what we saw with Lucic a little bit. I think he he had a bit of bad puck luck. I think he might have scored, you know, maybe five more goals over the last two years than, you know, that, that you know, based on his number of grade A scoring chances shots. But it's not like he was seriously undervalued around the net. But maybe Neil was. Maybe maybe what we saw last year was just some really bad puck luck, and because he had a five percent shooting percentage, and maybe he's going to rock it back and score twenty goals. Yeah, well, certainly every everything on his uh, player page, on his stats, uh, suggests that he fell off a cliff yeah. when he got to Calgary last year. I mean, this is a guy uh, who did have 10 straight 20-goal seasons who couldn't even manage 20 points in Calgary. Like, I mean, that's that's a big crash. Uh, and his... his um, did he get a lot less shots per game? His, well, his, his shots, he was down to 141 shots. Uh, mind you, he only played 63 games. He had an injury. But, yeah, his shot rate was way down. His ice time was down. He'd had nine years in a row over 17 minutes a game last year. He played 14-57. Uh, his, um, uh, uh, his possession stats, uh, he was a minus player uh, in Calgary, which was a first-place team. Uh, he had... Uh, uh, a, a disastrous 
change in his takeover takeaways versus giveaways, which is all he always had a strong positive uh, ratio between those two. And last year he had eleven takeaways all year, which is terrible, terrible for that player. Thirty-five uh, giveaways, also not good. But I mean, this is the guy have more takeaways and giveaways every year, and all of a sudden he's giving away the puck three times as often as he's taking it away. I mean, now granted that stat is problematic. It's counted by different counters. When you move from one team to the next, sometimes it fluctuates, but that's not your normal sort of little fluctuation. It's just what happened. Anyway, uh, hopefully that's not a sign that he suddenly lost it and is tumbling down the cliff for the rest of his career with four years to run. Uh, but the good news is that if he backs that up with another season just as bad, the orders can at least buy this player out, and they can that buy him out at a third of the of the cap hit they don't have to pay they they don't have to account for these bonuses Luchich's contract was by bio, virtually buyout proof because of the bio, uh, bonus structure and they couldn't trade him they couldn't send him to the miners or you know without his permission at least obviously they got the permission to make the deal and uh, uh it was uh the contract was so nasty between cap hit term uh, bonus structure, no movement clause. I've been calling it the four horsemen of the apocalypse, as you know. And, and those four horsemen, I've just seen riding down the QE2 to Calgary. So, yeah, worst comes to worst, you can put Neil in the minors, and that eats up another million on his contract. There's, there's the contract is so much better in terms of flexible, buyout, in terms of flexibility. Even Lucic is rotten, rotten. I mean, this, this trade works for the Oilers on so many different levels, I think. So even if Neil doesn't work out, it's a good trade for the Oilers. They get out from underneath that no-movement mm-hmm. clause of Lucic. They, they, change the, um, they change the structure of the team. I mean, right. Lucic was just like they, had, they were going to have to play him, I think. They, didn't, they couldn't sit yeah. him in the press box, even if he warranted that. But, but this means now, Bruce, so um, Joe Gambardella and Thomas Yurko are two really interesting players and they're both absolutely outstanding AHL players in the prime of their careers. And now all of a sudden there's a possibility. One of those guys is going to get a chance on the fourth line or the, or even the third line, if they aren't, as opposed to Lucic being there, taking up that space. So we might actually have a much more kind of a super hungry, effective, younger player, like somewhat effective. I don't want to oversell this. Right. Lucic just—he was just a terrible fit on the orders. I mean, you have Jujar Kyrie, you have Zach Cassian. You don't need what he brings. Some other team may may well need it, but the, the Oilers did not. So, and now you know, you know, now at the left wing, I have uh, Leon Drysaitel, Tyler Benson, uh, Granlin. What is it? Is it Marcus Granlin? Yes. It's not McCall. It's Marcus Granlin, Joachim Nygaard, Joe Gambardella, and uh, Thomas Yurko in the top six. Now that is not. <laughs> that is not a very scary batting order, except for the, the guy at the top of the order. But there are some hungry, hungry young players who can really so, skate fast. So you're, you're plugging in that entire group. You're plugging in Neil on the right side then in your yes. left shot? Okay. Well, oh, is, is he? He's a left shot, oh. and I think he plays either wing. But I suspect if, if he were to line up with McDavid and Drysaddle as one option, that would probably be Leon that played on the right side. But that's just an educated guess. So, well, I've been reading on Twitter that he's a right wing. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe uh, he's not, though. But um, but you're saying he plays either wing. Uh, I believe he's play, he has experience on both wings, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, on the right wing, I have Cassian and James Neal, Chase on, Archibald and Gagne. And suddenly that position. Now, of course, I, 
The James Neal I'm talking about, I didn't see all those games in Calgary last year that demoralized that player, mm-hmm. that team, and those fans, Calgary fans, so much. So mm-hmm. I have this, I have this op- opinion about James Neal, which is probably incorrect, which is incorrect based on his play last year. So I might be a little bit more excited about this trade than I should be. I, I will, I will say that. Bruce, why don't we go over? Um, is there any more stats or anything else you want to talk about? Or should we move on to what people were saying on Twitter? Uh, you were asking me about shots, and he's a shot machine. Yeah. Uh, uh, High-volume shooter, typically well over 200 shots per season. And uh, he was as many as uh, 4.1 shots uh, a couple of seasons in Pittsburgh, and always 3, 3.4, 3.3, just under 3, and then last year all the way down to 2.2. So, uh, But, I mean, when you're playing on the third line with Mark Jankowski, as opposed to the first line with Sidney Crosby, chances are you're, you know, all of everything, your your opportunities are going to diminish. And I don't think he played much first power play with Calgary either. And, and whether he does in Edmonton is an open question, but there are jobs to be had. He can come in and say, I'm the man for this. And, you know, if he brings his game that we remember, that's the huge question is, uh, is he the James Neal of 2018-19 or is he the James Neal of 2008-18? Well, we, you know, the one piece of good news is we hear that he's working out like a fiend with Gary Roberts. Wow, there you go. And uh, who who was a player who resurrected his career from major injury. And, and Neal was, Neal had some big, some, some injury problems last year. So the interesting That's- thing is you get a player like this who's had the one bad year. I think there is that much more chance of a rebound than Lucic, who's had the two bad years in a row. I think, I mean, Dustin Brown, I think, came back after maybe a couple mm-hmm. off years, but that's really unusual. But after one year, like, maybe this is the wake-up call for James Neal and he's going to be good to go again uh, for another well, year. Let's yeah, If we get a yeah. couple years out of this, like, if we get one 23-goal year and another 19-goal year out of Neal, mm-hmm. and then he, like, <laughs> fantastic. That's all you, you hope for. Well, you know, it's a meme on the Orlogosphere. It's a drinking game of when anytime a player says, I'm, I'm in the best shape of my life when they're coming to camp. But there actually was reports that he showed up in Calgary kind of having signed a big contract and maybe got a little fat and sassy over the summer. Who knows? I, I, I'm not that close to Well, he'd been through a long playoff that. series, Bruce. A long yeah. playoff year with Vegas, right? Yeah, and a long playoff year the year before that with, uh, with Nashville. Was it the previous year or was it? Anyway, he's he's had a few deep runs in the uh, in the playoffs. So, just one other thing is that we might be expecting a power forward in James Neal, six three, two hundred and twelve pounds, and and uh, some history of greasy play. Uh, but unlike Milan Lucic, who's bringing and bringing and bringing the hitting game, you know, like one thing he never stopped doing all the time he was here was hitting people, and he got kind of derided for that. I don't think necessarily fairly, but he certainly brought that physical game. James Neal had under 50 hits the last two years. I mean, he used to be a, a hitting player, but he's largely left that behind, and he's he's more relying, I think, on his uh, on his skill and savvy at this point. I, I never would deride a player for hitting. Like I just no, don't get that. I, that's just I don't know where that. Like anyway, uh, you I, know what? When the Oilers went on that great run in 2016-17, Bruce, one of the mm-hmm. signals that they were going to win a game is if Milan Lucic or Patrick Maroon or both, especially, flatten someone in the first period. 
the Oilers were going to win that game for sure. It was one of the clearest signatures of that successful season. So, you know, Milan Lucic did have that good run. He wasn't that good in the playoffs. It's funny because everyone during this, like, we can't trade Lucic. What if we have to face him in the playoffs? Well, my recollection of Milan Lucic in the playoffs that year was a pretty underwhelming hockey player. Yeah, he didn't get it done. Yeah, he did not come close to it. And I didn't think, well, he's two years older than that now. Like, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about the Oilers facing Milan Lucic because, I mean, he's, tends to go soft on his old teams and he's I mean he's just not that effective anymore is the honest to God's truth about the player all right Bruce let's go through the Twitter comments I'm going to start off with Oilers fan Kim G at Kim DG 172 and her comment is thank you hockey gods of Rivederce Lucic and I think that kind of sums up the mood in Edmonton uh I don't think people are anti Luch like there's you know hating on Lucic or anything, but they are happy about the trade. I'm not sure he speaks Italian though. <laughs> yeah, she got the wrong language. He's Croatian. That's a Croatian name, is it not? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's NHL writer Dmitry Filipovich, big Oilers fan, uh, is saying, "Huh, I always just assumed the no move clause in Milan Lucic's deal was referring to his style of play." Oh. This isn't even worthy of one-for-one status. The trade is zero-for-zero. Yikes. The Oilers wound up paying Milan Lucic $26 million for 39 goals. Savvy. (laughs) Dimitri's one of those hardcore uh, Oiler fans, Oiler uh, lovers out there. Uh, You know, there's a whole group. He's got the uh, stats behind him. Let's put it that way. But. I mean, it's, it's the Oilers are an easy target, Bruce. The, the whippings will end when the winning begins. Put it that way. Like you know, let's mm-hmm. that's that's the reality of the situation. People, the Oilers are one big, you know, pot shot waiting to happen until they start to win some games. So, uh, let's go with Eric Francis of Sportsnet, a sure. longtime Calgary reporter. Uh, here's what he's saying. Lucic for Neil makes sense for the Flames on so many levels, even though it's worse to buy out Lucic eventually. Oilers will retain some salary and throw in draft pick. Neil was never going to succeed here, and the Flames look endlessly for toughness. Lucic makes everyone in Calgary taller. After a quiet start to the summer, the Flames are now on the verge of landing a new arena and the toughest player in the league. Bruce, I think you read my my post yesterday, my 10 reasons. The he 10 reasons have. to acquire real. I was trying, I was hoping to send it out there to some NHL GM, you know, to their front office and have them read that list and think, oh, yeah, maybe we should make this trade. Yeah, I, I read it, I think, in the spirit you intended. I had a couple laughs. And actually, most of the points you made in there had some legitimacy. There was just yeah. a huge elephant in the room throughout that contract. And, and his uh, performance, which I didn't give yeah. my own opinion of. I was just. Well, right. <laughs> I left yeah. that part out what I actually thought myself, mm-hmm. but I would, you know, there are arguments to, 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 to be excited, I guess, if you're a Calgary, if you need toughness on your team, and this is a real thing, like people, again, there's a whole faction of fans who don't want to believe this or think this is important. I do. I think it's important. Like, I think you need to have a tough team and you can't play scared and, and you, you need some tough, big, tough guys on your team. And that does help your team only if they can play though. Now, can Lucic play? I think he can play as a fourth liner. And I think as a fourth liner for this next year, he's he's probably worth about $2 million to $3 million a year to a team. So Calgary's getting that player. And if they've been pushed around, I don't know if the Flames have. He's going to help with that a little bit. I mean, there is the, the stat that McDavid's never been injured in a big way in a game that Luke, Milan Lucic played in. Both of his injuries, major injuries, happened either before Lucic arrived or 
uh, in a game where Lucic sat out at the end of last year. So I can mm. see why they're a little there. They could be somewhat positive. Hmm. Well, they're probably happy to be getting rid of James Neal after what they saw last year. They so, are. And, they? And, it's scary. And, yeah, and I mean, fans, and we're just as guilty, are 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 apt to be looking for silver linings when uh, when trades get made. And uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, from a Calgary perspective, they got to be looking at the Luchich they remember too. And certainly, I mean, when he first came to Edmonton and Edmonton beat Calgary seven times in a row uh, after the beginning of 2016-17 season, uh, uh, and he was a factor in some of those games for sure. So uh, this is, hmm? I got, uh, I got uh, 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 Bob McKenzie, Bobby Margarita McKenzie. I do feel obliged to say this. The Luchich for Neil deal is one for one. <laughs> that, of course, is a sly reference to the Taylor Hall, Adam Larson yes, trade. The trade is one out. for one. The trade is one for one. And it's a famous, famous last words. Still can't believe that that was a one for one trade. Well, but, the, but we didn't get any throw-ins. So I don't think actually technically it's totally accurate if there's other considerations. But I couldn't resist. So here's one from ESPN's Greg Wyshynski, who is probably the big Oilers uh, agitator, anti-Oilers agitator out there. He has a lot of fun uh, trolling Oilers fans. Like, and that's what he does. He, he, that's his, his joy. One of his joys is to troll Oilers fans. And I actually get kind of a kick out of him. I think he's a very lively writer. But he never has a good word, ever a good word to say about the Oilers. He's a, you know, was a New Jersey Devils fan. So anyway, here's what he says, though, today, Bruce. Unless there's something we don't know about Neil, this is a coup for Ken Holland. So, wow. That's uh, your biggest ongoing critic of the Oilers franchise has something good to say about a move you made. Mm-hmm. Well, sounds positive. I mean, what don't we know about Neil uh, that we do know about Lucic? I mean, they both have somewhat similar career curves other than Lucic's crash happened a little earlier. Uh, anyway, uh, this is uh, Oilers fan rebuild 4.0, Joseph K. When Lucic crushes Connor in the Battle of Alberta, you got what you wanted, fans. Now, Joseph is an extremely uh, wise, uh, intelligent man and uh, really knows his hockey. And he's always been, he's always really appreciated what Lucic has brought in terms of physical toughness to the Oilers. So uh, I'll give him that. But I do think um, the Oilers have players right now who can stand up to Milan Lucic. Like, honestly, Milan Lucic isn't 25 anymore. Yeah. Well, how's he going to crush Connor? How's he going to crush Connor? I mean, that's the other thing. He had three fights last year, did he not, Bruce? I think that's, I that's like, about right. Yeah. So. You know, Kara, had, Kara can fight. Zach Cassian can fight. Darnell Nurse. They, they, Darnell Nurse will fight Milan Lucic. Like if he comes to that, and again, it doesn't come to that because there's not a day right now where, where Milan Lucic has the, the agility to hit Connor McDavid. Famous last words from me. Yeah, I'm, more, I'm, more worried about, <laughs> I'm more worried about Mark Giordano taking out Connor McDavid than I am Lucic. All right. Uh, let's go. Let's go for this one. Courtney, uh, Courtney Thero tweets. And God said, quote, henceforth, 
The term one for one shall no longer be used to exclusively mock the Edmonton Oilers. Enough said. And Ian C. at ENC56, he uh, points out the uh, multiple changes of addresses in a new way. Lucic stays in Smith's house. Smith stays in Talbot's house. Talbot stays in Neil's house. Neil stays in Lucic's house. Anarchy. <laughs> so it's going to be uh, several ex-Flames and ex-Oilers changing addresses. The others did so. The goalies did so by free agency. But this is a, a straight trade. And uh, some rivalries, notably the one between uh, Lucic and Mike Smith, will be intact. They don't have to be teammates. They can continue to go right on hating one another. <laughs> here's our cult of hockey colleague kurt levins he tweeted it's not that there isn't a cert- certain amount of risk in james neal uh but on the face of it it certainly appears that ken holland has acquired a legit top six winger still waiting to see how the money shakes out here though um i don't know if if i would have completely agree right now that that uh, neil is a legit yeah. top six winger i would say he's a he was he, i would say has acquired a candidate to be a top six winger uh but i would like if i was to place odds on it that james neil would score 20 goals rebound and score 20 goals i think he's got about a 30 percent chance of being that player again does that sound about right bruce one in three chance, but that might be a bit high, actually. But I of, of being a top sixer, yeah, Neil? being a, being a legit top six winger, thirty percent chance. I'm good with thirty percent. I, I, I would you say coin venture, flip? I venture fifty percent. Coin flip? Oh, there you go. We'll see. I mean, I, you know, I, time will tell, as the old saying goes. And uh, I didn't watch uh, that many Calgary games last year, and I certainly wasn't focusing in on that one player specifically. But I've seen him good over the years. Let's put it that way. But then, you know, I've seen Milan Lucic good over the years, too. So there you go. All righty. You, you got another Oh, point. yeah. Uh, Oilers fan uh, uh, Ryan Donaldson. Lucic has become unplayable. Neil still has a quality wrister. Play Neil with 97. At deadline, move Neil. Well, easier said than done. The last part. But the quality wrister is something that, that left Leon Lucic behind. I'm going to go way down our list here, and I'm uh, Jeff Chapman at New Wave Oil, and he's a he's another uh, Oilers fan and blogger. He writes for Copper and Blue. He's a very uh, very uh, smart uh, guy when it comes to Oilers commentary. I find, mm-hmm. and he says, "No lie, this is the most excited I've been since the playoff run." <laughs> wow. I mean, the, 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 the Tobias Reader signing didn't do it for him? Huh. We were all pretty excited that day. Yeah. Uh, I, I must admit, I'm pretty excited too, Bruce. I, I just, mm-hmm. there's so many reasons for this trade. And it's not the, necessarily that Lucic was so bad. He was just a bad fit right now in the Oilers. It wasn't working and they needed to move him. So I'm really happy that that happened. I'm glad that Ken Holland was able to make this work. Yeah. Uh, Oilers fan Jeremy Thompson, uh, trade makes total sense to the Oilers. If there's any reason to buy out James Neal, he's 1.9 against the cap as opposed to Milan Lucic, who's almost six. This gives the Oilers a better player today and better cap futures. Lucic has always been a drive to the net style player that scores in 30 areas and can beat the shit out of anyone's dad. 
Neil has been always been skilled with the puck, drive both ends of the play, and can score from crazy angles. It's clear what the Oilers need more of right now. Fair enough. Here's my last one. Uh, why don't you pick one final one too? And sure. this is my last one. This will be this is from McOilers at McOilers. The Lucic experience is over. I am sad. I am glad. I am relieved. He was a consummate professional and always had the right attitude. But it was time to move on for the team and for the player. I wish Luch all the luck in Calgary. And I and I want to thank uh, Mick Oilers for his eloquence in that statement. That was a very fine thing to say. He spoke well, and it, it's a sentiment that I think uh, the vast majority of Oilers fans share today. Do you have a okay. last tweet, Bruce? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with my friend Wheaton Oil at Wheaton Oil. Uh, an excellent follower on Twitter, by the way. On the surface, this is a good deal for Edmonton based on likelihood of bounce back, especially because Neil's deal is structured to be buy-outable. However, I'm waiting on these details, uh, the, the uh, subsidiary details, before making an initial verdict. And I guess that's where we're all left hanging. Um, you know, what is that conditional draft pick? What is the condition? And how much more retention is there? I mean, if the orders even retain the 10% uh, that you suggested earlier, that means the effective cap hit for Neil is 6.35 million, and they're actually paying more for uh, for their boat anchor contract than they were before. I'm hoping that'll just even the scales and not be any more than that. Yeah. Uh, would it be 6.35 or would it just be the point? The <clears throat> Oh, yeah, you're right. No, that's correct. Sorry, you're right. Hey, I got one more. I, I, I mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Kent Wilson because he's yep. the af- rich for the athletic, I believe. In, uh, Might as well end on a downer. <laughs> so Kent's been, Kent's been watching Neil uh, all year last year, and here's what he have to, has to say. For Oilers fans wondering, Neil was awful, all caps, last year. His relative impacts were worst on the team, worst even strength point per 60 rate, he dragged down anyone he played with, scratched in the final playoff game. Maybe he bounces back next year, but he was the Flames' worst regular skater. So no punches pulled there. I wonder if Kent wrote that when Neil was still on the team ever. Uh, well, no, it sounds like his oh. his opinion. Yeah, when, when I say downer, I, not, I don't mean that as at, at anything at Kent himself, who's a no, 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 no respect. I just yeah. I had read his comment. I'm going, oh boy. Uh, he's obviously got a similar opinion on James Neal that many many Oilers fans have developed on Milan Lucic, having signed him to a big money contract and uh, then watching the player underperform badly to that contract uh, and see his game deteriorate in front of him and I mean now the orders have got the last four years of that five year mistake that Calgary signed last year. I mean it's it's not all good news by any means, but uh are we in a better place today than we were yesterday is is the question. And uh, in some respects definitively yes, because of the flex you know the cap flexibility that the club has now that it didn't have before. So I'm just, I just returned to Twitter here to mm-hmm. see if there was anything new from uh, my time. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's nothing, there's nothing new on the contracts, at least. That's what I was looking for. That's the main thing, yeah. There's some new, con- new commentary. So, Bruce, we're at the end of the era. 
three was it three years three years of milan lucic i was hoping when the the contract when they first signed the contract that seven-year deal i was hoping that they would get as many as five good years out of lucic mm -hmm. and when i looked at similar kind of players there there was an outside chance it looked like they might get as many as five good years out of lucic and it looked like a pretty good bet actually that they were gonna they were gonna get two or three good years out of them and um that did not come to be that didn't happen yeah they got one and a half years of decent production and even in his first year when he when he connected big time on the power play remember he got i think he got 12 power play yeah, goals that yeah. year 10 anyway uh and uh and he and he kind of pumped his stats i know he got 25 of his 50 points on the power play um and even that first year, some were saying, well, you know, at even strength, he's not as good as he was. And uh, that trend continued down. But the, the scoring, just halfway through his second year, he was fine. He had like 26 points at Christmas. And then he got something like nine points the rest of that season. And then this year, he got, you know, six goals all year. Like it just, he completely lost his goal scoring touch, but assists went with it, plus minus went with it. Um, and even you know some of the flow of play stuff uh it was still mildly positive but not near as positive as past records suggested and so we just didn't get the player and that's the trouble with signing these 28 29 30 year old guys is that you're paying for past performance instead of future performance and uh maybe peter shirley had incentive to pay Milan Lucic for what he'd done in boston but uh i don't see where the edmonton orders did and it just uh, wound up blowing up <sighs> yeah it was those you know we've had probably you know we've looked into this we probably had 15 to 20 major free agents ufa unrestricted free agent, yeah. agent signings in edmonton and uh not one of them hardly one of them has worked out hardly one of them i think uh when we looked at it the one the one year deal chris russell signed when he came here um, at the start of 2016, 17, that worked out. And then there might've been Latest who arguably worked out, but that was it. Like all of these contracts, none of them have worked out and most of them ended up like really not working out big time. So we got two Lucic, on, might, two, Lucic might be at the top of that list. We got two on the books, uh, two more years of the buyout of Benoit Pouliot, four more years on the buyout of uh, Andre Sekera. Uh, the Lucic, uh, name is off of the payroll, but the, but the effect lingers with the assumption of another uh, high-end uh, contract. So, and, and then you had other ones like Mark Fain, Andrew Ferentz, where they signed four-year deals in the last two years. They never even played for the orders, and they still got paid. You know, like it, it just yeah. time and again, it just hasn't worked out well. I was just checking our scoring chance work for that 2016-17 season mm -hmm. when Lucic was in his first year. Yeah, and according to our analysis of his even strength play, he was mediocre that first year as well. Um, mm -hmm. When it came to his uh, two-way play, if you go by scoring chances, his, his contributions to chances for as compared to his mistakes on chances against, he just his number doesn't stand out as anything but 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 uh, unexceptional. Um, mm -hmm. So he's yeah. It never really worked out that well. Yeah. And, you know, there were things to like about the player. And I understand he was a good teammate. Although I also understand that he had some personal issues during his time here. Yeah, some stuff happened in his life. Yeah. That, you know, his dad committing suicide being particularly brutal. Didn't that happen uh, just before? He yeah. But he, yeah, he, he was, he had stuff he was dealing with. Yeah. Uh, but he had, he had a good, he was a good teammate. And he had, uh, 
Uh, he had their backs, and there was none of this sort of Andrew Ference-type uh, clashes with younger players, anything like that. So they may well wind up missing some of that. I don't know what they're getting the other way at all, but I guess that's what we're going to find out next. Indeed. I don't know if this opens the door to more trades or if this is now it. Um, mm -hmm. This could be it. Uh, we see Jacob Trub has just signed a huge, for a huge oh, $8 million a year for seven years contract in New York, their cap space. They have got a million and a half left and they've got a lot of players to sign. They've got to sign Bushnevich, Brendan Lemieux and, um, and uh, D'Angelo. Fairly good scoring defenseman. So Bruce, mm -hmm. there's still opportunities out there. We'll see how much cap space the others have left. Maybe there's still room to bring in one more player, which would be, which would be, um, I mean, Ken Holland just bumped his score for this, for this off season from like a C, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, uh, well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to pronounce on it yet. I'll I'm just gonna, say in the, it, in the general got community got from, a, the marks. from a failing grade to a passing grade as of today. Let's just put it fair down. comment. That's a good way to put it. Like, I don't think most, I, I don't know if we had taken a poll today. I was, I was thinking of taking a poll. Do you think he's done enough? And I, I, I suspect he would have failed that, uh, that question mm -hmm. earlier today, but I suspect he would pass. Yeah, I've been right reading, hearing and reading uh, him getting a lot of grief. And uh, at least he's, you know, he's done the impossible. He's moved the unmovable object. And, Bruce, that wasn't grief. That was encouragement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, like, like your post, eh? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're just encouraging him to, to you know, keep it going. <laughs> leave no stone unturned. All right, let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks for talking today. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>